Hey y'all, I'm Heather. I am a wife and a mother and an insurance agency owner, a friend and a PTA advocate. I am so excited to talk about all of the things that I find most precious here within our community, within our lives and within our faith, friendships and relationships. Here on Heather's Most Precious. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Heather's Most Precious. I am here today with Ed Garcia, who is running um, for our school board and for the seventh and Weir's district seat. That's district seven. Thank you. Being vacated by Joe Wingate. Pat. Yes, we're excited that you're here. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Now, before we dive in Mm -hmm. to hearing about kind of your stance and the positions, um, who is Ed Garcia? That's a big question. It is a big question. So um, I I started my career when I joined the Marine Corps when I was 17 years old, immediately after after high school. And I spent the next uh, six years serving my country. I got out of the Marine Corps and decided to join the business world. And I spent the next 35 years in the business world um, transforming really failing organizations into world-class customer service leaders. Um, I recently retired, retired in March of last year, and I realized pretty quickly that I was a little too young to just sit on their couch for the rest of my life. And um, I saw some of the challenges my daughter was having at at school with our grandchildren and decided that uh, as a customer service professional, things could be better and decided to throw my hat in the ring. I found out Joe Wingate wasn't running again because he's moving to Georgia um, and decided to throw my hat in the ring and run for school board. And I think that... uh, just my, my, my education, my training, my experience, mm-hmm. and the fact that I have a lot of time on my hands mm-hmm. now really uniquely qualify me to, to fulfill the office of the school board. And I think I can make a little difference there. Absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you for your service. It was my honor. Yeah, that, that's a big deal. Um, what was something through that experience that you learned about yourself that you may not have, you may not have learned had you not been... With through through the Marine Corps? Yeah. Yeah, so the Marine Corps is really interesting. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but you're never referred to as a Marine the whole time you're in boot camp. Uh, that no. title is not freely given. So you have to pass through an entire process of training and something called the Crucible before you refer to as Marine for the first time. So that's why Marines say they're never ex-Marines. We're always former Marines. We worked really hard to earn that title, right. so we don't give it up very readily. Um, but one of the things that I learned really in my time in the Marine Corps is, you know, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's undoable. In fact, usually things that are really worth doing are things that are really difficult. Uh, they're the most rewarding. Um, and I've taken that through my entire career in business and I've taken that through, you know, my personal relationships. And, um, you know, relationships are hard too sometimes. And, but the ones that are worth having are the ones that are worth working at. So um, I just, that's kind of the, what guides me, and I learned that in my court. That's amazing. I love that. Now, do you still have good relationships with those that you served with? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with guys that I served with in the 80s. We're still, oh, we're still you know, there's a couple guys that live in Nashville. We see each other pretty frequently and um, actually had a pretty interesting experience. We had a, we had a reunion of... Um, we, we had a reunion of the company that I worked when I was in ADAC, Alaska. This is 1986. And our, ca- our commanding officer at the time was uh, Captain Vincent Stewart. Mm-hmm. And um, 
We had a reunion two or three years ago, and our Captain Stewart was now a three-star general, and he wow. was over the, the, the entire Defense Intelligence Agency. Uh, and he took my call. Amazing. And wow. he came to our reunion. It was really, really cool. How special. Yeah. He was in the Marine Corps for 40 years. That's a huge career. That's a monster career. It yeah. is. It is. But he was, still, he was still really, really interesting. He was still remembered us in awe, and it was really cool. Yeah, it was a neat, neat experience. Yeah, to, to feel known and seen by someone who was so pivotal for you right. and is still, right, could have easily, I'm sure you're very surprised that he still took it, right? Right. Could have easily yeah, it was just, <laughs> moved on with his day. Oh, it was just an E-4 when he knew yeah. me, right? And, and he, now he's a three-star general over the entire Defense Intelligence Agency. He was a first Marine over the first the first DIA head Marine. Um, oh, my goodness. And he was, a, he was a great guy. He, he passed away shortly after retiring. Mm. Sounds like an amazing man. Yeah, he was a great guy. That is awesome. I love that when you are forced, especially like that when you're serving with the military, when you're um, not always going into situations that you would like to be a part of, how much stronger those relationships end up being, right? right. They're planted um, and really rooted well to where even years later, you're able to still engage sure. um, and reminisce on the good times and still build into um, those new memories. Um, now, where does Chattanooga fall in? Sure. So um, Mary and I moved around a lot while I was working. I, I, I had a pretty pretty long career in the payments technologies industry. And um, we we lived in Florida for a long time. Mary and I both grew up in Houston. Um, we lived in Argentina. We lived in wow. Cincinnati. And we um, before we moved here, we actually spent a few years in Phoenix. Uh, we didn't like Phoenix very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, everything in Phoenix tries to kill you. Does it? <laughs> yeah, the weather, the plants, the animals, animals they, every, everything tries to kill you in Phoenix. Uh, it's not a very hospitable place. The people are great, but the the, the just Phoenix itself is of bad. Um, so when it came close to our retirement, we started looking around and we said, you know, where do we want to retire? And we were, we were blessed. We could have retired anywhere, right? Wow. We, we could choose where we want to retire. And we thought about going back to Texas, but we didn't really want to do that. We thought about going back to Florida. We didn't want to do that because we, we, like, we like all four seasons and we like, mm -hmm. we, we, we're, we're air streamers. So we like going camping okay. and we like that. That's part of our lifestyle. So we landed pretty quickly on Tennessee and, uh, you know, just like everybody else decides to move here, we, we started in Nashville, and we're like, no, that's way too big. Um, and then we, we looked at Chattanooga, and Chattanooga has this really, really interesting um, value system that we share that's, you know, based on family freedom, um, fiscal responsibility, and faith, okay. right? And, and we share those values. Um, and we're only a couple hours from Atlanta. We're only a couple hours from Nashville. We're an hour and a half from Knoxville, an hour from Knoxville. Mm -hmm. We're close to everything. Right. We can be in the mountains in a couple hours. We can be in the beach. And so um, it's just a really, really great place. And what we didn't expect is how warmly we were received. Because mm -hmm. um, we lived in the South before, and, you know, that has different things. But, but Chattanooga is so, it's just so honest and so warm. We made such great friends here in such a short time that our children decided to move here. Oh, so awesome. uh, Danielle and Andy both moved here. They live here, and they decided to raise their families here. So we're eternally grateful for this community. We love it. And, you know, one of the things that motivated me for, for to run for public mm -hmm. office is to serve the community where I live. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have the time. I have the experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt like I should give something back to the community. Absolutely. And I think that speaks volumes, right? You have to love where you are to want to serve it. Yeah. Serving is a 
big piece, right? Sure. It, it's not just something you can turn on and off like a light switch, right? It becomes you. It, it is. And so I think that um, speaks volumes of how you feel about Chattanooga, not just Tennessee, but Chattanooga, our community here. Yep. Um, and specifically, the footprint of what District 7, um, you know, and, and incorporates there. Um, tell me, I know that you mentioned your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, are they part of what motivates you to want to run for school board? Absolutely. I mean, like I, I think I mentioned earlier, I, I saw some of the challenges my daughter was having with the school mm-hmm. system. Um, my grandson was a little bit behind in reading and mm-hmm. just some of the challenges. As a customer service professional and understanding that taxpayers are what fund the school system, right. they're, they're the customers, right? right? Um, and she wasn't being treated like a customer. and. Mm-hmm. Um, that frustrated me to the point where I figured I should maybe get involved and see if I can help fix some of that. And I've fixed other organizations. I, I'm confident that I can help the school board as well, the school district. Absolutely. And I think it it seems like there is benefit to not coming in as someone who has a political agenda, but coming in as someone who does see an issue and sees that you have the capabilities and the skill set that can come in and meet those needs. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, so I, I, one of the things that really frustrates me about typical politicians is mm-hmm. all they do is articulate problems. Mm-hmm. Um, they continually say, this is what's wrong, this is what's wrong, this is what's wrong, everybody look at what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at my platform, I actually have a plan, mm-hmm. right? So I see the things that are wrong, it's, they're pretty evident, mm-hmm. everybody agrees with them, but I have a plan to optimize our school resources so the $600 million that the school district gets, I wanna get into that budget and make sure that every tax dollar is spent on academic development, not all mm-hmm. these other things that we're doing. My, my second uh, is I wanna engage the community. Mm-hmm. And by engaging the community, I mean, I wanna have regularly scheduled town hall meetings. Mm-hmm. I wanna make sure that I hear from parents, teachers, and students, understand what's working, understand what's not working, identify problems and fix them quickly. But apart from engaging parents, teachers, and students, I also want to engage local businesses mm-hmm. because we're trying to create the workforce of tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. As a local business owner, you understand mm-hmm. that. So if I understand what the workforce requirements are for these local businesses in the next three to five years, and we can prepare seniors to step into those roles, whether they choose to go on the college or join a career in the trades or even join the military, mm-hmm. right? They can become productive members of our of our community immediately after a high school, right. which is really the goal of the school system. And lastly, I want to secure our schools. Mm-hmm. So what happened in Nashville hit really close to home for us. Mm-hmm. I, I never want to see that happen in Chattanooga with the, with the school shooting. So I will work with both local and state legislators to, to champion comprehensive safety measures to make sure that no unauthorized individual ever sets mm-hmm. foot into one of our schools. But I also want to deal with the epidemic of behavioral issues that are plaguing our schools right now. They are. Uh, I think parents need to be involved in those solutions. And I think that the, the children need to be given an environment where they can, fo- and teachers, they need to be given an environment where they can focus on education. And if they're continually dealing with children that are behavioral issues, that takes away from everybody else's education. So that needs to be dealt with. Um, and, and I really believe, if, if you look at the data, a, a lot of people that I talk to are like, well, my kids aren't in the school district anymore. My kids are grown. I'm like, well, it's 60% of the county's budget goes to the school mm-hmm. district. Not only that, but the better our schools are, mm-hmm. the higher our property values, right? And it draws employers to the community, which cr- in turn creates higher paying jobs and more of them. Right. So. 
a better school is not just mean a brighter future for mm -hmm. our kids. It's a it's a brighter future for the Everybody. entire county. Yeah. So um, that's kind of my take on it. Those are it's I, I know it's very business centric, but but those are the that my street my three step plan to how I plan to improve the school system during my first term. I think that's huge, and I think that you have really hit the nail on the head with a lot of those, right? Not only are you seeing the problem, but you do have a plan to fix it. Um, now, do you, do you think that if you had to say, hey, there's one thing that has to be fixed immediately, what would that be? Optimizing our resources. Okay. Uh, everything falls. Everything falls through the budget, right? Mm -hmm. So, like I said, six hundred million dollars. Um, Sixty percent of our our county taxes go to the school system. I spent days going through the budget, combing mm -hmm. through the budget. Um, the the twenty three twenty four budget, which is in place right now, mm -hmm. over thirty five hundred line items in that budget. Um, and there were some eye opening things in that budget. Um, the fact that the Hamilton County School District has sixty one hundred employees, but only three thousand classroom teachers, bothers me. Hmm. Let that sink in for a minute. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's one supportive belief for every classroom teacher, mm -mm. right? Um, the fact that we have 7,000 IEPs in Hamilton County Schools, we have 45,000 students, and 7,000 of them are, are on individual education plans. It's too high. And we cut, from exceptional education, we cut $2.5 million from the budget last year. So why did we do that? Mm -hmm. We're not keeping up with the IEPs. Why would we cut that part of the budget? Um, when those are the kids that need the most support. Correct. And then if you look at classroom instruction, even though on an absolute basis, mm -hmm. the budget went up by $10 million for classroom mm -hmm. instruction. As a percentage of the overall budget, it went from 48% to 43%. So even though we're spending more money on an annual basis mm -hmm. on education, mm -hmm. as a percentage of the whole, it's actually de decreasing. This, that's problematic for it me, is. right? So mm -hmm. what are we spending that money on? How do we make sure we reallocate the rich, I mean, we're trusting our school district with a lot of money. $671 million is a lot of money. Right. Um, and it comes from the, the taxpayers, it comes from the state, and it comes from the federal government. There's just a lot of money. So how do we ensure that Dr. Robertson and his staff are utilizing that money the most appropriate way possible? Mm -hmm. I mean, we unfortunately don't have a great school system. I know that Dr. Robertson's done a lot of great work and it's getting better. But when the rubber meets the road, we're ranked 40th in the state, not even the nation. We're, we are the 40th ranked school district in the state. We're mediocre at best. The citizens of Hamilton County deserve better. Do you think that a lot of our, our county citizens understand where we are? Because I, I think a lot of people hear, oh, we're greater. They see some of the good things we're doing and maybe that overshadows. Not that I'm saying we should hound everyone we're terrible because we're the 40th in state but do you think that people are actually realistically understanding that i don't think people understand the gravity of the problem mm -hmm. right so and and I, I think we're spending so when we're looking at spending money mm -hmm. so when you look at school systems across the country the average school system across the country spends about right around 13 five thirteen thousand five hundred dollars per student okay. per year so um, and I've heard people say, well, Hamilton County schools are underfunded. Well, we are spending fourteen five, almost $15,000 per student per year. So we're spending wow. above the national average. So I don't believe that we're, we're underfunded. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're making the most appropriate use of our resources. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going to pick on Dr. Robertson for a minute. Dr. Robertson makes $225,000 a year. That's not a secret. It's, it's, it's right. a public record. 
He's paid amongst the top 5% of superintendents in the country. So the number one school district in the United States is Adela A. Stevenson, 125 in Lincolnshire, Illinois. Their superintendent makes $250,000 a year. Dr. Robertson makes $225,000 a year, and he presides over the 40th rec school system in the state. So we're paying for excellence, and we're getting mediocrity. And I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Right. How, how are you, besides like a platform like this, how are you able to help people understand? I've knocked on a lot of doors. Have you? I've knocked on over 350 doors. I've had interactions with over 600 uh, of my constituents over the mm -hmm. last two months as I've been on a campaign trail. And, and a lot of people know these things. And a lot of really? people, and a lot of people were like very surprised that they, they didn't realize how much money we're actually spending on school. They didn't realize how big a deal this was. Right. Um, so yeah, I get a lot of questions. So you're not an educator, how can you be on school board? I'm like, well, school board is not about education necessarily, it's about administration, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it, it, it's more, yeah, the school board has three primary roles. The first role is to hold the superintendent accountable because mm -hmm. honestly, the only person that can hire and fire the superintendent is the school board. Yeah. That's the only employee the school board can deal with. The rest of the school district employees are, are Dr. Robertson's responsibility. The school district, the school board can't touch them. So the only person we can hold accountable is Dr. Robertson. The second thing the school board does is approve or disapprove the school district's budget. That's all we can do. We can we can approve the spending or not approve the spending. And the third thing is to pass policy. So those are the three roles. Of the, none of those things are classroom right. duties, right? There are administrative duties or budgets or business. It's a business thing. Mm -hmm. It's not a it's not a classroom thing. Um, so that's why I believe people like me who have a pretty extensive experience in history and in, in, um, in business mm -hmm. and leading customer service organizations and and leading large organizations with right. really really large budgets um, have an advantage in being able to serve in a, something like the school board because I, I can talk budget with county commissioners. I can talk budget with the mayor. I, I've done that. Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, not your average person really can't do that, because not because they're dumb or anything, it's just they don't have the experience, right. right? I've led organizations with thousands of employees and tens of millions of dollars in a budget. So that's not a normal experience. Right. In fact, my wife used to joke her out, because when, when, when I was in the work mm -hmm. world, you know, $1,000, $2,000 is the rounding year for my budget right. to work, right? It right. was nothing. You know, when you're looking at $60, $70 million budget, and then, you know, looking at my checkbook, oh, it's just $1,000. My wife's like, this isn't our, no. this isn't your this work is budget. Not, it's a this, lot of money. This is your house. Get away from the checkbook. Give me that. Right, right, right. <laughs> it, it plays a role. But again, you're talking about a skill set that you have, right. experiences that you have learned along the way that have really shaped you Correct. to be excellent at this. I, I believe so, yes. Yeah. I always say that it, my, my education, my experience, and my training uniquely qualify me to do this. And I, I believe that that's true. Absolutely. What are some others? You shared a little bit, but what are some other um, skills or qualifications or, or pieces of your background that have um, lended you to do this well? So the the interesting thing is it's politics, right? Yeah. So and and people that don't understand that there's politics in the corporate world have never worked in the corporate right. world, right? right? And what I mean by politics is. Um, you know, sure, I, I had direct responsibility over a lot of people, but, but the majority of my my work really was convincing people I didn't have direct responsibility over <laughs> to do things I needed them to do, right? It was all about building relationships and 
and creating, you know, just creating those relationships and, and, and leading by influence and right. getting people to the point, not, not in a manipulative way, but right. building relationships with people so that you want to help them and they want to help you, right? right? And, and I believe that that's what politics is at the end of the day, is, is, is people who serve their community, who want to help their community, but engage with other politicians, build relationships, not only with their community, but with other politicians so that we can help each other build a better community. And, and, I, and I believe that my experience helped me with that as well. I love that. Um, I think too, there's a, a piece of you that just exudes joy and um, makes you very personable Thank and you. makes you want to, um, not only are you knowledgeable and not only do you have the background and the skill set and all of that, um, but we can talk, right? right? This is this is easy. Um, and so that's very encouraging because in your role as a parent of children who are a part of this district, I need to be able to know, hey, I can have a conversation. You can hear the needs. And whether the answer is yes or no, that I know that I could be heard that you right. can advocate for me or at least point me in the right direction, sure. um, which is huge. And I feel like maybe not all candidates do have that. So actually, interestingly enough, I've, I've done some of that. Like I, yeah. I've, in, I've engaged with a couple of, of, of constituents in the county. They're like, well, I'm having this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, wow, I, I, I'm just a candidate. There's nothing I can do, but you need to call this person and you need to call this person and you need to call that person. And this is your representative and this is your school board person. And this is a chair of the school board. You need to burn them up. You need to, yeah. they, they work for you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if you're not getting the answers, you need to call me back because okay. I'll, I'll, I'll use whatever little influence I have right. to, you know, I'll, jump on the down. I'll figure it out. But, <laughs> um, but, but that's neat. And, but, but there's also the, the personal connection and pe- some of these people are really struggling and I've, and, I've, right. and I've had the opportunity to sit down and pray with them and pray for them. And, um, it's, it's, it's humbling. And it's and it's really neat to, to be able to partake in people's lives like that. I'm, right. I'm pretty pretty appreciative of that and I'll I'll never I'll never just take that for granted because mm. it's these are people's lives these are their children this is important it's a big stuff. deal yeah it's, it's not just it's just not a school board seat where you meet once a month this is right. this is people's children right right it's my grandkids right it's it's big it's a big deal yeah and to know that you feel the weight because it isn't this is not just a role it's right. not just a job and you can be a difference maker and you have proven that you already are, right? You have this desire, you have the passion to do it, you have the time to do it. (laughs) And and you have already taken, even without having the seat official, you have taken the steps to knock on doors or to build those relationships or even even as you're saying you're giving the instructions giving the um kind of here's your next in line this is who you need to talk to and if you don't i'm here um again most people all they want is to feel known, seen, loved, and and appreciated. Sure. And even you taking the time to do that is huge. Yeah, when I, I talk huge. about my daughter's frustration, mm-hmm. the, the the real frustration when you when you boil down all the vitriol and all the emotions, mm-hmm. she didn't feel like she was being heard. Mm-hmm. Right? And these are her kids, and she's trying to have a problem, and right. and she's just not being heard. So I, you know. People deserve to be heard. They don't always be needed. They don't always deserve to be told yes. Right. They don't always deserve to be told no. But everybody deserves a voice. I've, I've been asked a lot of questions. Do you think that, you know, what do you think about parents coming to the school board meeting and jumping up and down and doing all this? You know what? They're welcome. Right. They're welcome. They're the taxpayer. We're here for them. 
if they have if they want to voice something that they're not happy about, they have every right mm-hmm. to come in and 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 voice that concern. And listen, if it's a real concern, I'll act on it. Mm-hmm. I really will, and that's that's my promise. Mm-hmm. I will look into every issue, and if it's if there are real issues out there, we're we're going to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Where is the disconnect? Where do you feel you are very aware that it's the taxpayers that y'all are working for us, for the community? Where do you feel like that disconnect is? When when does someone who sits in that seat get to think that they're above it and that basically they're doing us a favor, right? When does that happen? I don't know that that necessarily happens in the school board today, but I think I, I think I think some politicians just forget. Mm-hmm that they're serving their community. Mm-hmm. I think politicians get caught up in the, they, the, they're, they're governing or they're administrating or they're doing that. And they, I think they lose sight of the fact that they're serving first um, and they're serving their constituents. And they're mm-hmm. there because their constituents put them there because they trusted them. Right. Um, and if you lose sight of that, it's a slippery slope. It is, it is. How, other than you know showing up, how would you invite the community to be a part of this? Sure. So I I I I, I will have I'll schedule town hall meetings every month, and I'll bring as many people as they want to come. We'll we'll figure out the venue, mm-hmm. um, but it's important for it to be and uh, to add value because if you mm-hmm. just if you just you know open up the doors and everybody comes in and complains, and nothing ever gets solved. It, it, people will stop coming pretty right. quickly, right? Um, so you're going to have to demonstrate progress. You're going to have to demonstrate that things are getting resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, not all the parents know everything that goes on in the school district. So part of that is me communicating, hey, look, this is some of the mm-hmm. challenges we're having. These are some of the things. These are the reasons we're making these decisions. If you guys don't agree with them, let, let's talk about right. it. Um, so because everybody can be a critic. Mm-hmm. Right? One, of the re- one of the rules I had when I was in the business world is you can disagree with anything I have to say, but don't just criticize it. Bring an, alter- bring an alternative to the table. If you bring an alternative to the table and it's reasonable, we'll discuss it. Right. But don't just, don't just criticize because that doesn't help anybody. Right. So, yeah, to the extent that we can have different points of views and alternative solutions and let's, mm-hmm. let's work through them and let's make them happen. So, um, and again, engaging businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca over at Chattanooga State, she's doing a great job with, um, with her with her curriculum and getting people prepared for the trades. And uh, she's just, just doing an amazing job. I'd like to partner with her more. Um, um, when I know, I know a guy that was on the chamber when mm-hmm. Volkswagen came, one of the first questions they asked Trevor was, how are your schools? Right? It's their workforce. They're concerned about the schools. Of course. There was a program in Hickson not too long ago where, you know, seniors, the, the, the Hickson Airport, they were trying to teach seniors how to fly. Oh, wow. And help them get their, their, their you know, entry-level mm-hmm. pilot's license and so they can move on. It's almost like a trade school. Move on and get their commercial pilot's license and become an airline pilot. And you can make $100,000 a year and make six figures. Okay. They couldn't read a checklist. They had to stop the program. Oh, gosh. 38% of our kids are at, are at, at, at grade level. They're, they're at proficiency. 38%. That's why I say we are a mediocre school district. Yeah. It's not okay. It's not okay. But our graduations rates are up to 87%. So what are we doing? We're graduating kids that are off prepared to go into the workforce. So we're kind of just passing them along. I think so, yeah. That's what the data shows. Test scores are down, literacy rates are down, proficiency rates are down, but but, um, graduation rates are up. Yeah. 
seems a little backwards. It, do, it doesn't seem, it seems counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. It does. Ed, tell me about, I know we've spent a lot of time talking about kind of your background and, and, and the skills that you have. Um, we've said skills like 17 times, haven't we? That's exciting. Um, <laughs> what, how are you different? What differentiates you from the other candidates that are running for the school board? So, um, I'm in a primary election now. The other candidate is another conservative Republican. Mm -hmm. And honestly, on the issues, there's really not a lot to separate uh, Mr. Schaefer and I. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're both conservative Republicans. We're both well-educated, articulate professionals. We are both, you know, servant leaders who have a vested interest in the performance of the school district. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest differentiator between Mr. Schaefer and I is she's, she's got three, you know, young kids. She's a busy mom. She does everything a good mom should do, but she's really busy. She's in a she's got, she's in a really busy law practice, mm-hmm. so I just think I have more time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that makes me a little different is Mr. Schaefer has a vision. The, you know, she calls it a vision of bringing parents, teachers, and students together. A vision that I share. Mm-hmm. Um, but apart from vision, I also have a plan, right? Not only to engage the community, but also to optimize our resources and secure our schools. Okay. So I think those are the key differences. And. You know, I, I hope that the, the voters of District 7 in Hamilton County will see that and they'll choose to, to vote for me. But uh, that's why I'm still in the race. Yeah. Because I, I just think I have more time to dedicate to the office. And the Chattanooga Times Free Press endorsed me and basically said the same thing. So That's um, awesome. It's got to feel good. It does feel good. That's awesome. And I know we're talking about time that you have. And I know you're retired. Um, how much time are you willing to give a role like this? Um, as much as I need to. Okay. I mean, what else do I have to do? Mow the lawn? I mean, right. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I think the school board is going to be as as busy or as superficial as you want to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, a, you know, there, of the six people that aren't running again, two of them aren't running um, because they underestimated the time requirements. It's it. It doesn't pay like a full-time job, mm-hmm. but it's a full-time job plus. It is. So um, talk to Rhonda Thurman, talk to Larry yeah. Groan, people who, who spent a lot of time. Rhonda's been there better part of 20 years, years right? Yeah. So um, it's, it's, it's a, it can be all-encompassing. Um, and if it's not, then how do you do a good job? Right. We're not doing um, it right, yeah. You, you just can't do a good job. Yeah. And any servant position like this is going to take more than what you even anticipate. Right. Everything always does, right. right? Everything always does. There's always more to do, um, and especially to get it on track. If you, if you see the problems, we have the plan, and yet now we need to go prepare to execute right. that. It's going to take the time and the energy and the resources to do all of that. And, it, and it's not just working with the other school board members, right? right? It could be working with Sheriff um, Austin Garrett. It could be working with, you know, Bo Watson or, or Senator Gardenhire. It could be working with Greg Vidal. It could be going up to Nashville um, and, and speaking up there with, with you know, policymakers and, and figuring out things that are going to help the district. I have the time to do all of that, right? So it's, it's I, I don't have anything else biting for my time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, you ask how, how much time is as much as I need to. Yeah. I've never shied away from a challenge. I think that's great. I think that's great. Um, if there was one attribute that you considered essential um, for a, a school board member to have, what would that be? Tenacity. Okay. Um, and I'll explain what I, I think tenacity is an undervalued um, skill yeah. um, these days. Uh, but one of the conversations I had with uh, with Mayor Womp, he's like, you know, you know, Ed, I, we, we need school board members that are going to you know, stand up and, and do the right thing, even when it's hard. And I said, well, Mr. Mayor, I'm a former Marine. Actually, the essence isn't in my nature. 
Um, and, and I mean that. I, mm-hmm. I'm pretty tenacious. When I get my teeth into something, I usually don't let it go unless somebody has the courage to tell me I'm going the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always said this to people that work with me. Look, I walk into a room and I'll have a solution prepared and I'm pretty sure that's the right solution. But I'll always give you an honest opportunity to change my mind. Okay. Okay. Right. So there's, I, I walk into every conversation knowing that there's a minute possibility mm-hmm. that I could be wrong. Yeah. And if I'm wrong and you prove me wrong, then we both win. Absolutely. Because not only have you corrected something, but you've corrected a misperception in me mm-hmm. and you've kept me from going down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. So, I, I believe in tenaciousness, and I think that that's a really important, but, but being open-minded and being able to accept other, position, or other positions on issues that, mm-hmm. and solutions to issues that aren't necessarily mine, I, I think is a really important thing. I, I, you is. know, Ronald Reagan once says, it's a ma- it, man can accomplish anyone, anything, as long as they don't care who gets the credit. Right. Right? Right. That's a paraphrase, but it's close. Um, so, and I believe that mm-hmm. I, I don't need to get the credit for everything. I don't want the credit for anything. I just want our kids to have good schools. Absolutely. And we actually just shared that at quote for President's Day here at the office. Did it's one of our favorites. Um, and, and it's so true. But I think that again, we just keep speaking volumes about your character and who you are, because I think a lot of us, it's unfortunately there's, there's a lack of humility mm. and oftentimes we want it to be our way. Right. We want it to be our perspective. We very rarely do we want to shift our perspective or are we even open for the, for that, what we feel like is an attack on our, you know, our chance. Sure. So the fact that you are willing to say, hey, look, I have planned and prepared, but I am open right. to change so my perspective. I'll tell you a funny anecdote about humility. So I was probably in my late 30s. I was in the professional world. I was you know, starting to climb. I was mm-hmm. in the executive realm. And we did something called a 360 degree feedback, which is, They do a survey of your direct reports, your peer group and your managers. So 360 degrees. Yeah. And they ask them kind of similar questions and they figure out kind of where, how are you doing? So Mm -hmm. how do your direct reports perceive you? How do your your peer group perceive you? And how do your manager groups repeat it? And one of the things that came out was that I was arrogant. Mm. And that really hit me hard, right? Because I didn't want to be arrogant, right? My my faith requires me to be humble, right? That that, that Mm -hmm. really bothered me. So I remember, and I I went and talked to my pastor. And I said, Pastor, this thing says I'm arrogant. Pastor, I'm a pretty humble guy. And he looked at me and smiled. He goes, Ed, when you think you're humble, you're not. (laughs) And I'll always remember that. Yeah, it's so true. I I know that I have a propensity for arrogance. Mm -hmm. I always have to keep that in check. So that's kind of what guides me. Yeah. And and there's so much truth to that statement, isn't there? If you think you're humble... You're not. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, I would love to know what you see as the primary work of the school board. So again, the, the three official things of the school board is to, you know, hold the superintendent accountable to mm-hmm. the, the performance of the school district, approve or disapprove the budget, and then policy. So those those are the official things. But there's a lot of unofficial stuff that school right. board is so, so you, there's there's some you have to identify the problems and you have to figure out the right solutions for them. Um I, I think we need to do a better job tracking how the superintendent is spending the money, not just how we mm-hmm. approve the budget, but 
Um, I've been to a lot of school board meetings and I haven't seen, maybe in the working sessions they happen, but I haven't seen the superintendent or the, the CFO come in and say, okay, this is how we're tracking the budget. This is where we're spending more. This is where we're spending less. I'd like to see some more accountability there of how we're actually spending the money, not how it was allocated. Um, and I think there just needs to be more dialogue. Uh, the Sunshine Law has kind of precluded us from being able to have dialogue in private, we have to kind of do it in public, which is which is fine. I think the the, the public needs to see how that process works. Um, but there, you have to talk to teachers, you have to talk to students, you have to talk to you have to just listen. You have to listen, right? I think God gave us two ears and one mouth in the right proportion, <laughs> right? You wouldn't know it by this podcast, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I believe we should be listening at least twice as much as we should be talking. Yeah. No, I think you're right about that. Um, so we've talked about kind of the school board's role. Can you tell us how that differentiates from the superintendent's role? So the superintendent's role is one of education. Mm -hmm. So his job is to, you know, have a highly performing school district, right? Mm -hmm. That children are, are progressing, they're at level, they're, at, they're doing all of those things, that their principals, that the facilities are being maintained appropriately. But he's got a big job. I mean, it's a big job. There's 79 schools, 6,000 employees, $670 million budget. It is a big job. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not begrudging that. It's a hard job. Mm -hmm. um, but, but his job is, is as the chief administrator for this school district mm -hmm. is to run the school district. Okay. Um, what are two to three like strengths that you think um, our county has? So again, I, th I think I think this community's culture of, mm -hmm. you know, faith, family, freedom, and fiscal responsibility can't be overstated. Um, I think I think we all share that. I think it's in our DNA as as Chattanoogans. We really believe that. Um, this this the community is really really welcoming mm -hmm. um, and 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 warm. And I, I I love that about this community too. And I I hope I can live up to those expectations. Um, but yeah, just. I just know who my neighbors are, right? I know what I generally know what they believe. I I, I know we're like minded. You know, we go to church together, and you know, we eat at the same restaurants. Right. It's 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 just a wonderful community. And like I said, I I, I never I never never ever take that for granted. Love that. Um, let's go on the other end of that. What are two to three weaknesses? Um, I'll keep it just as it relates to school board. I sure. I, I think. I think most people aren't as educated as they could be about kind of the, the state of the school system. Yeah. I, I think, you know, part of my campaign process has been to try to educate voters. Mm -hmm. and, and I get a lot of I got a lot of stares like, are you kidding? Are we really spending that much on schools? What do you mean 60 percent of our budget of our tax dollars goes to the school? Justin Robertson makes how much mm -hmm. out of getting a lot of that stuff? We're only ranked 40th in the state. We're not even ranked nationally, right? And, right? What, what do Shocking. you mean? What do you mean East East Hamilton High School Middle School got a C? I thought we had the best school district. District mm -hmm. Seven was the best. What do you mean East Brainerd Elementary is the you know most populated elementary school in the in the county? Right. What What do you mean the the teacher to student ratio in District Seven is not fifteen to one? It's closer to twenty two, twenty three to one because our schools are, are pretty crowded. Mm. So it's it's that educational process right. to to get people to understand there is a problem. But I don't want to be the typical politician that just pounds his fists and talks about problems. I want to be the guy that says, okay, these are the problems. If we all agree that these are the problems, these are the, what I think the solutions are. If you agree. Mm -hmm. 
Let's work together and get them done. If you don't agree, let's have a conversation. Let's find a different solution. But if we all agree on the problems, then let's figure out how to fix them. Right. How, how do you intend to, um, to, to focus on our weaknesses? What are you going to do to help change them? So again, I, I, I think education is a big mm-hmm. part of it. And not education like the school, but, but educating voters, educating the parents of, mm-hmm. and of, of District 7 and kind of what's going on in their schools. Um, not just sound bites on the TV right. or, you know, whatever the, the, the paper writes in the paper. I think those things are important, but, but it's, it's more important to just have a community meeting mm-hmm. about that. So having those town halls, I think, are really important. And then having one-on-one conversations with people, right? Just just to get to know my constituents better and understand kind of what their needs are. Um, and I, I've had interactions on Facebook where people start, you know, hitting me with pretty difficult questions, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, this is getting this is getting to the point where I'm I want to respect your privacy. So mm-hmm. let's go to a direct message. Let's have a phone call. Let's right. talk about it one-on-one rather than just airing it out. <laughs> airing out. I've been. I mean, these, these are real problems for kids and parents, and I don't want to air their dirty laundry in front of everybody. Let's, let's, I want to respect people's privacy, too. But, but at the same time, I need to hear those things so I know what to, what to focus on. But, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's an educational process, not only for them. I, I'm not saying I know everything and I need to educate them, but they need to educate me because they, mm-hmm. they know what's going on in the classrooms. I won't right. necessarily know what's going on in the classrooms, right? Yeah. So it's, it's going to be this bilateral communication loop where, you know, I hear from them, they hear from me, we learn from each other, and we work together to fix issues. I think that's huge, that open lane of communication. Right. Because I think so often it's, um, I need to hear from you for my side, right? Or, or it's kind of one-sided. Right. And so I think the, that you're willing to have that dialogue and that it doesn't have to stop there. But let's fix this issue and then let's come back together on the others. And I think town halls are huge because you do get to then hear from multiple people. You do allow your voice to be heard at a greater platform level, right? right? But again, I, I don't want our, our town, because town halls can sometimes degenerate into these hand-wringing sessions. Oh, woe is me, the world is com- coming down. Yeah. I, I don't want them to be that. I mean, there needs to be a part of that where we hear what the issues are, but, mm-hmm. but the, the vast majority of the vast, um, I want to spend most of my energy in fixing problems and not just mm-hmm. talking about problems. Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. But I think that you've got to have this at a, at a you have to have a big enough crowd. Right. And I think, yes, the intention has to be clear. This is not for us just to be upset and not take action and venting not take is plans. Important. We right. should all vent. But right. once we get done venting, let's move really quickly to solutions. Exactly. And then that call to action and what can we each do? Um, because this is our district. Right. So this is not just what can you do from that platform and what can so-and-so do. It's what can we all do to help collectively make this better. Because right. it does fall on all of our shoulders. Whether you have a child or a grandchild in the district, whether you are just shopping at the Walmart here, right? right. You're a part of this yeah. um, and, and should feel that way. And I think that's probably what we have to fix. Because I think not only is there the disconnect with knowledge, like we've talked about, people just not being aware, but I think we also maybe are not giving the invitation to people. People don't know how right. to, once they are aware, what they can do to help fix it, where they where they fit, right? right. And so I think with that clear direction, um, we can definitely get better um, yep. or definitely work, strive toward that. Um, 
I do have a question. How can the school board know if its policies are being implemented or, or if they are actually meeting the goals, if they're accomplishing anything? So goals are, those, that's a really interesting question. So we need to figure out what the goals are, right? Mm -hmm. So um, when they came out with the letter grade they, when the state came out mm -hmm. with the, I hate using pronouns, when the state came out with the, uh, the grading policy for schools, Mm -hmm. So the initial formula was was really biased towards growth, so okay. improvement. And the later formulas were more biased towards outcomes. So mm -hmm. things like how are children scoring on the ACT or the ASVAB or how are they getting into trade schools have a higher weight. Not just if you were, you know, here at the beginning of here at the beginning of the year I'm, and you're a little better at the end of the year. Okay. Um, that doesn't necessarily make you good. It just makes you a little better, right? Right. So if you're at 28% literacy and you're at 38% at the end of the year, you're still at 38% literacy, that you're not at literacy, right? So that's, um, so I think those those outcome measures are important. I think every employee of the, of the home office, mm -hmm. um, at probably all the way down to the principal level, needs to be, evaluated and compensated out outcomes. Mm -hmm. So how well is your school doing or how well is the school district do doing? I think that's unfair to do to teachers because teachers don't have a say in who walks into their classroom at the beginning of the year. Right. So I think, although outcomes are important for teachers as well, mm -hmm. I think teachers' evaluation should be kind of skewed more towards improvement. Right. So my, this child came into my classroom here at the beginning of the year, and he may not be at level, but he improved a certain There's amount. There's growth. Because the, that's what the teacher can affect is the mm -hmm. child's growth, not necessarily whether he's at level. And I don't, I, I don't like these, you know, teaching to tests, and mm -hmm. we, we all have to do well on standardized testing. And I, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a dance because although I, I'm a big fan of mm -hmm. empirical data and standardized testing is a part of that, um, we just need to figure out how to measure both those things, but allow teachers the flexibility to teach, right. not just teach to a test. Mm -hmm. um, and administrators need to be, the home office mm -hmm. needs to empower teachers to teach. That should be their job. Right? I always joked when I was, when I became an executive, it's when I, you know, when I was, I was younger in my career. I was I was a fullback. I car I carried the football, <laughs> right? Um, now that I'm an executive, I'm a blocking back. I just oh. move things out of the way so other people can score touchdowns. Yeah. So I think the home office needs to put in. You know, they they need to put in curriculum and policy mm -hmm. that empowers teachers and empowers these educators to to let our our kids thrive, and they just get out of the way. Right. Right. But they need to be held accountable, too. So these teachers need to be evaluated on a yearly basis and make sure they're doing the right thing. And the, and the great teachers need to be compensated. They need to be rewarded. They need to be yeah. promoted. They need to be taken care of. They need to be retained. Mm -hmm. And the ones that aren't doing so well, maybe we should encourage them to find a different career choice. Right. right? We want good teachers. We don't want just anybody warming a desk in a classroom. Of course. And on that note, this conversation will be continued in the next episode of Heather's Most Precious. Heather's Most Precious is brought to you with love by the Hendrickson Agency, 
an insurance agency serving all of Georgia and Tennessee. The Hendrickson Agency, properly protecting your most precious possessions. Support for Heather's Most Precious is provided by Study.com, which offers SAT and ACT study materials and even has resources for AP and college credit courses. Listeners of Heather's Most Precious get 30% off their first three months of any subscription level with offer code PRECIOUS. Just go to Study.com and use offer code PRECIOUS at checkout. Heather's Most Precious is produced by Chattanooga Podcast Studios and is part of the Podnooga Network. Find out more at ChattanoogaPodcastStudios.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Heather's Most Precious. Proud member of the Podnooga Network.